on episode 508 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, Rachel and I discuss colorectal cancer and colonoscopies. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 508. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness. The 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Hey, Raz, how are things going? Good. How are you today, Alan? I'm home. Uh, <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we, got home we got home yesterday. Uh, it is a lot of travel, a lot of 4,700 miles driving, uh, two, you know, two different countries. Uh, we were all over the whole East side of the country. And so it was just, it was just a lot. Um, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Uh, and I started my training today for, for my, uh, tough mutter. Uh, so it's just uh, right at this point, I'm like, I need a nap and just, <laughs> just need a nap, sure. you know? And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's good to be home. I, I, you know, this is home now. I really do. I do. I felt that way. Like I was in the United States and I was like, okay, no, Bocas is my home and getting back here. I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be sleeping in my own bed, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it's, it's just good to be back. Now I can get back into a, a rhythm back into the, into what I like to do, uh, focus on me, uh, focus on my, you know, my wife and my, my dogs and, and just living our lives and doing the things we do here. Uh, you know, back in the gym, working out, not, no excuses, just go, go, go. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, just having that, that comfort of knowing, okay, my, my bed is literally just one third of a mile that way. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. mm -hmm. that's good. Glad you had the chance to visit all your family. It's yeah. I'm sure it was very rewarding to be on vacation and, and visiting with everyone, but yeah, there's certainly nothing like the first night back at home in your own bed. <laughs> yeah. So if, you know, if I haven't answered your email or your, your Facebook, uh, questions or, or messages, I apologize. Uh, but it, it, the traveling really was made it a lot more difficult for me to keep up with things. Oh, yeah. um, and so it's just, uh, I fell behind a lot of things and just, it taught me a lot about how I am not, I'm not the same guy I was uh, 10 years ago when I could go, 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 and then get up and go, mm -hmm. go, go. You know, I need more downtime. I need more recovery. Uh, mm -hmm. so that, you know, that's one of the things here that I've learned on this trip. So future trips won't be quite as ambitious. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Good thing to learn. That's for sure. Well, how are things up there in Michigan? Great. I am such a good mood today. Uh, Mike and I had a much shorter vacation over the weekend. We had another runcation. We, um, took our camper up North, a little part of Northern Northwestern Michigan. And we ran a half marathon in the sleeping bear dunes campground or area. And, um, we just had a fun time. The weather was perfect for running. The Hills were horrible. But <laughs> we survived and we just had a wonderful time over the weekend. And, and again, just like you, it's, it's nice to be home. Good. Good. Yeah. All right. So today we're going to talk about, uh, getting your colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there, <laughs> there, there, there are two things that happen, you know, as you get close to 50 or you're, you're 50, uh, is you get your, your AARP invitation in the mail. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think I was 47 when I got mine. Uh, and then, you know, you're 50, you're supposed to get your colonoscopy. There's kind of 
you know, kind of rites of passage to uh, your golden years, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. or your happy years or whatever we want to call it. As you got into this, you, you've just turned 50 mm-hmm. um, yep. and you have, you have family history yep. Uh, yep. with cancer, with col- particularly colorectal cancer. And mm-hmm. so for you, this was a day one, get it done. Don't worry about it. Don't even think about it. It's not like I'm going to put this off for a little while because I think I'm low risk. Mm-hmm. You're just like, nope, 50, get it done. Yeah. I'm almost on your birthday. I mean, your birthday wasn't Close. Too, too long ago. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and then you <laughs> yeah. actually were doing, doing some reading and found that now they're trying to move the date. If you have history, they're trying to move that screening date to age of 45. Right. Yep. You know, it's interesting. I, I go in every year for an annual physical and I have done this for many years and on my 49th annual physical 49th year, they said I had to wait until I was 50 to have the colonoscopy and it used to be age 55. And so when I got my uh, annual physical shortly after my 50th birthday, just this past July, they said time to sign up. And I said, sure. And they said, by the way, the age has moved down to 40. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting that they're moving the age down in these increment brackets. But once I did a little research, I figured out why and what the American Cancer Society has found that even though the number of colorectal cancer diagnoses has gone down in a certain age group, it's actually has increased for the 55 and younger age group. And it's increased only by 1% year after year. But I think that's part of the reason why they moved it down to 50 right now or to 45 right now. Um, But even though that's the case, I still needed to check with my insurance to make sure they would pay for it or at least know what it would cost me if I had to pay anything extra out of, po- out of pocket. So um, it's definitely something you need to talk to your doctor about and also your insurance company. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, we're, we're talking about colorectal cancer is the reason we're doing mm-hmm. this screening. And, you know, I think we all know the C word, we get, <laughs> we get scared of it uh, because it happens so much. It's, it's you know, uh, one of the top uh, leading causes of death, uh, particularly in the United States. Uh, you know, right behind, I think, uh, heart disease and diabetes is right in that circle of the, yeah. the top three uh, right. that you're probably going to deal with at some point. And unlike heart disease, which, you know, a lot of people will have an episode and then it'll be treatable and they'll treat it for decades. Uh, in some cases, cancer uh, has your number shortly after you realize that you have it. Um, over 60, almost 60,000 people per year uh, die of colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. Yep. According to the American Cancer Society, again, they um, were estimating in 2021, there would be 104,270 new cases of colon cancer and 45,230 new cases of rectal cancer and in the United States. And right now, um, there are more than 1.5 million survivors of colorectal cancer in the United States. And like I mentioned, the reason why the death rate has gone down for that is because of, of screening. It's because of things like the um, colon colonoscopies, but as well as the new advances in different types of stool testing that um, can also catch it early. So yep. yeah, early detection. And that's, and that's the point we, we, we need, the earlier we detect it, the easier the treatment is, the more successful the treatment is, uh, if we're catching it late. And you mentioned earlier when we were doing our pre-talk is it's one of the, one of the kind of cancers that, um, you might notice a little bit of issues with your bowel. You might notice a little bit of issues with the fact that you can't seem to enter, uh, empty your bladder, 
Uh, there mm-hmm. are other reasons, guys, for that. The prostate, which again, mm-hmm. another screening you might want to go take a look at. But <laughs> yeah. if you're noticing some changes, and that's one of the things, you know, in talking to different doctors, um, much of self-diagnosis, or at least being aware of a problem, is being aware of self, of being aware of how things are working now. And then not just saying, oh, that's a part of getting older. Um, mm-hmm. It can also be a symptom of something else. So uh, the screening, you know, they're giving you some some preset dates, and that's for the insurance to pay. Uh, mm-hmm. I did a little bit of research because I thought, you know, I'm traveling in the United States. I I won't have time uh, in my schedule to stop and do the the three day purge uh, and roll, <laughs> which we're going to ca- talk about in a, mm-hmm. in a minute, minute here. I didn't have time for that. Uh, I get one here and I haven't priced one here because it actually would be relevant to you guys anyway. So I thought, what if I was going to go ahead and do the sample version? You'll see the advertisements of the little box that arrives at your house and you put a little poo in a little container and send it back to them. Uh, I did some pricing on that to look it up and they, they go in and say, okay, $30. And if you file with your insurance and then if, and then you that we'll deal with that billing stuff later, uh, the $30 is just an administrative charge for the company that's facilitating the, getting the testing. Um, but then I said, okay, if I'm going to just pay cash, they, they, they do give a hundred dollar discount, uh, but it's still about $700 to get this Ooh. test done, which is not cheap, but again, it's cheaper than the colonoscopy. So if your insurance company isn't going to cover it, uh, or you know, you're going to end up paying out of pocket because you have a higher deductible insurance policy. Uh, I did a little bit of research, and what I was seeing were numbers right about $3,100. It can be a little more than that, a little less than that. Um, obviously, if you've got biopsies and other things that need to happen at the end, which we'll also talk about later, mm-hmm. uh, I guess the cost could go up for you because again, now you have a medical thing you're treating versus just doing a standard routine um, screening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we're looking at about $3,100 if you wanted to pay cash for this or $3,100 if you have a higher deductible, that's probably about what's going to come out. If you've got, you know, if you're paying like an 80-20 kind of thing, you know, you're know, you looking at the 20% of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So still some money and you got to think yeah. about that with your healthcare. As we get older, we've got a budget for the screenings. We've got a budget for those things that, because, you know, we've been young and, and foolish thinking <laughs> we're going to live forever. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, you know, if maybe you're someone who's almost never hits your deductible. Uh, well, over the age of 50, you're, you're going to find more years that you hit it and then over 60 more years that you hit it than you don't. Mm-hmm. So just be recognizing that as, as you're getting older, uh, having the finances to, to focus on taking care of yourself and getting these pre things done, like a screening, right. not putting it off just because, oh, it's $700. That's a car payment. Da, 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 da. It's like, just, just do it. You pay $1,200 yeah. for a phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just do it. <laughs> yeah, Right. It's, it would be a great thing to add to your monthly budget just to keep a little nest egg of money for these types of um, screenings, because I can guarantee you that this little cost for a screening is going to be a whole lot less than what it'll cost for different surgeries. Or if you get cancer, then the radiation and chemotherapy that often comes with it, it it can definitely blow up and be a lot more expensive. So a screening here, add that to your budget is definitely well worth the investment. And, and this is the location, you know, where you're, you've passed the digestion of food, but Mm -hmm. at the very time, if you're having difficulties here, it's going to work all the way up your digestive tract, and it's just going to affect other parts of your life that you don't really want to mess with. So sure. uh, get the screenings done. So you're getting the results you need and you're getting the healthy and you're getting the treatment early, which is 
the key to being to surviving this if if you do have something. So mm-hmm. let's let's keep moving forward. You sure. you've you've signed up. Yeah. Yay, we're going in. It's like it's like signing, yeah. it's not like signing up for a race. Uh, <laughs> but they don't yeah. give you a number. They just you show up in comfortable clothes. Mm. But um, there's a there's a pre process because the the proctologist doesn't want to just go in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The average uh, person can have um, up to about fourteen or sixteen ounces of stool in the colon at any given time, and so the whole purpose of this prep is to clean it all out. And what was interesting was that the, my prep, uh, which could be different than anybody else's, and it probably will be if, if you've had a colonoscopy, I imagine it'll be different than what you've gone through. It just varies from doctor to doctor. And it took a little bit longer to prep for this than I would have expected. About a week out from the surgery, the first thing I had to do was cut all my medications and vitamins even, which I was kind of surprised by that. I didn't ask any questions. I can go a week without taking vitamin E and fish oil and whatnot. It's not that big a deal, but certain vitamins like iron keeps you constipated or can cause constipation. So those and different prescription um, medications had to be cut. I'm sure that there are a few medications that if you need to take them, um, they would let you take them. But again, that is something you need to discuss with your doctor. So seven days out, I had to quit all my vitamins. I don't take any prescriptions. And then five days out, they want you to go on a low fiber diet already. So they want you to tone down the fiber that you have in your daily diet. They're talking keto. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which is easy for me because yes, I am keto. I don't have breads. I don't have pastas or rice or a ton of fiber. I do eat vegetables. So that's a definitely a good fiber to have, but, um, but yeah, I don't have a high fiber diet to begin with. So that was an easy cut for me as well. So then where it gets really interesting is then the day before that you start the prep, you need to be on a liquid diet. So a clear liquid diet at that, because you can't have anything that's blue or red or purple because that could dye some parts of your intestine, your colon and make it think that there could be blood in your stool when it's not, or in your colon. So, um, so I had to drink, I drank, um, some chicken broth, some beef broth. I had a clear electrolyte drink water. I was allowed to have black coffee, no, no dairy, because that's also a constipating item. So, um, a liquid diet, um, lots of water the day before I started the actual solution part. And that wasn't difficult either. Again, being keto, I think that gave me an advantage because I didn't really feel a lot of hunger. I'm still drinking a ton of liquids. My stomach was very full. I was getting nutrients in the broth and in the electrolyte drinks. So I was totally fine with that. That wasn't a problem. So not too difficult so far. Yeah. So you got to give up your red wine for a few days, (laughs) you know, Mm got to give up your red wine. Uh, You got to give up, you know, your, your, your heavy foods and you know regular foods and then mm-hmm. you know i think for me i would probably just fast mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I i don't know that i would feel like i needed the broths unless it was just to have some kind of flavor mm-hmm. you know and so if, if i were to do it i would say okay well, i'm just i'll do some bone maybe a little bit of bone broth here and there mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part i just say okay water and electrolytes 
yeah. and, and coffee. Yes. Um, you know, probably, <laughs> probably some coffee, but mm-hmm. that'd be it. Yeah. I just be like, for two days I can fast and I might be a little hungry, but mm-hmm. that's fine because I would look at it because I know what the next stage of this, <laughs> this, yes. grand, this grand journey is. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I would just say the less that has to come out, the less trouble right. I've got. So it's like, yeah. if you do that right, then that's going to make this next phase easier. Yeah. yeah. Now this is the, the hardest part of the, the whole procedure that is the most uncomfortable part, but not painful. And this part can also vary from doctor to doctor. So my test was going to be at 1030 the following morning. So that's important to note because you have to drink the prep solution in two sections of it and two occasions before the test. So for me, this is where it got oddly specific, but remembering that my test was at 1030 the next day. So the night before, the day before the exam was my liquid diet. And at five o'clock in the evening, I had to take a set of laxatives that was prescribed by the doctor and the laxatives, just like, you know, it's to get everything flushing out of your intestines. There's not a whole ton of stuff in my intestines to begin with. I'm not sure how effective the laxatives were really working for me anyway, but I took the laxatives as prescribed by my doctor at five o'clock. But then at six o'clock is when I had to start drinking this prescription solution. It's a gallon mix, which is sodium chloride, sodium bicarbonate, and potassium chloride. Now, if you think of that, basically it's salt water. It's electrolytes. Yeah. It's it's salt water, but, but it's electrolytes Mm -hmm. too. So like Mm -hmm. I was saying, you know, if you start flushing out a lot of fluids to keep your electrolytes up and literally that's going to pull, actually pull fluids into your muscles, into your body and out and and into your blood. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, some they'll tell you don't, if you have high blood pressure, you might not want to eat a lot of salt because that will raise your blood volume, which Mm -hmm. would raise blood pressure. So depending on your sort of circumstances that they might give you a slightly different cocktail there, but it's generally electrolytes that are going to make sure that you don't crash from a sodium, you know, deal you're going to, or potassium deal. You're going to have enough electrolytes to, to be good with the the flush that's about to happen. Mm -hmm. So I needed to start drinking this at six o'clock the night before my exam. And I was only going to drink half a gallon at this time. And so at the rate you drink it is supposed to be eight ounces every 15 minutes until that half gallon is gone. So over the course between six and eight at night, I was drinking about eight ounces of this drink every 15 minutes. And really it wasn't terrible until it was terrible. (laughs) So eight ounces of water every 15 minutes or a half a gallon over the course of two hours really doesn't sound horrible. But for me, I got a really small stomach. And at the end of that uh, half gallon, I was stuffed. I was stuffed like I just ate two Thanksgiving dinners in a row. I was so full. I didn't think there was any room for me to keep drinking it. And the other challenging part of it is that you're drinking ocean water, you're drinking salt water, and it tastes terrible. And so one of the tricks one of my friends suggested was to take a a hard candy, a piece of a hard candy, like a lemon drop or a mint or Jolly Rancher or something like that, Put it under your tongue, drink the solution with a straw so you're not getting a whole mouth flavor of salt water and and drink it 
as quickly as you can through the straw, which worked really well until it didn't. But, but for this first half gallon, I got it done. I was stuffed to the gills. And because I started at six, it took me to eight and I was full. But then at, at the end of that half gallon at nine o'clock, and then again at 10 o'clock, I was to take two gas tablets to, uh, to prevent the gas from developing in my stomach. I never felt gas. Maybe it was the gas tablets. I don't know. But that was that was my first day of prep up till 10 o'clock at night. And yeah. I was stuffed and exhausted, yeah. but well, survived. One of, one of the funniest things if you ever played football uh, particularly on the offensive line is when the quarterback goes behind the center and the center um, has gas. It's oh, it's gosh. hilarious for us offensive linemen. Uh, <laughs> it's not so much fun for the quarterback. So I imagine it wouldn't be so much fun for the proctologist. So probably not. Probably the reason why you're taking the gas pills. <laughs> probably. You know, I never felt it, but I did what the doctor said to do and and I finished it off. So Sadly, this is where it gets more uncomfortable. None of you, this is painful. It just is getting uncomfortable. So the next day at 4.30 in the morning, I had to wake up and start drinking the second half of that half gallon of prescription solution. It was early in the morning. It tasted terrible. It was not a black cup of coffee that I had rather have had in the morning, but I started drinking it and at this point, the lemon drop candies were losing their effectiveness and the salty water was even saltier, probably because I didn't shake it up well enough or something. And it just got to me. And sadly, I threw up the last second to last eight ounces of the solution and I wasn't even able to guzzle down the last eight ounces of solution. So I got a little bit down in the morning but I couldn't finish it all. And so, um, I, then you're not allowed to drink anything you, but three hours before the procedure, you can't drink anything. You're done. So again, that was the uncomfortable part of it, but not painful. Okay. Well, I would probably take a nap because the, the <laughs> you know, the, the, the doing this thing all the way till 10 o'clock at night and then mm-hmm. being up at four to start all over again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand my sleep. Yeah. I, I, my sleep is, <laughs> is the most important thing in, yeah. in my health journey right now. And I want eight hours. And, you know, so I would, I would probably would have asked that question when I was reading, I'd, I'd have given him a call and said, look, I, I don't see eight hours of sleep in here. And we're doing this for my health. Um, so mm-hmm. how do I, how do I adjust this to get my eight hours in? But I also wouldn't, I don't, I mean, well, great, granted, I've not, I have never tried to drink that much salt water uh, oh before, but I could just tell you from a water perspective, mm-hmm. I can, I can easily drink a half gallon of water in two hours. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. a problem with that at all. That's good. Um, so yeah, for me, it'd be like, okay, I'll start at six o'clock. I'll finish at eight. I'm going to go to sleep. I'll be up at four. I'll probably be up about eight times to pee anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I'll wake up around four and I'll, I'll drink that other half gallon over the next two hours. And then, then yeah, go ahead and take another nap because what am I going to do for three hours? I can't drink or eat anything. I'll sleep. Um, <laughs> so, so, okay. So now you, you've done all this, probably didn't sleep very well. No. And, and here's, here's where it gets interesting is that the, what the solution does is that it's 
moving through your colon. You're not really absorbing the liquid in the water that you're drinking. It's actually flushing out all of your colon. It's like you're hosing down your entire colon with this liquid solution. So after about the first half gallon or so, this is, it started to kick in and I was spending a lot of time in the bathroom, partially because of the completely liquid diet. My bladder was working overtime, but then when you drink this prescription solution, your colon is working overtime. So I spent a good part of my evening in the bathroom and I did get a couple hours of sleep, but it wasn't rested sleep because I was getting up to go to the bathroom still. I guess looking back in hindsight, I think I might decide to pull an all-nighter in this case (laughs) and just sit with a book in the bathroom and just let the prescription do its job because it wasn't great sleep. And and I probably got up about once every hour or so to flush out my colon. So, and then in the the next morning at 4.30, that's when it really started to kick in. And it didn't even take as long of the time period to get from my stomach to my colon and out. So it was just go, go, go. And I spent, in fact, I wasn't sure how I was going to make it from my house to the hospital the next morning without needing to have a bathroom stop at the gas station or something. So that's the whole purpose of the solution is literally to hose out your colon. And I'm not kidding about the hosing out part. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can understand the, the all nighter <laughs> thing. And I'm glad you said mm-hmm. book because the whole taking your phone to the loo, I, just, <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 I like, you know, a lot of, a lot of public bathrooms when you're traveling. And so I'd walk in and, and people would be in their stall talking on the phone. Oh no. Uh, I'd hear them with a click, 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 click. You know, like you're just, no. you just, know, I'm like, no, no, I can't. No. no. Yeah. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's some private time right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. So, so we're on our way to the hospital. This is, this is kind of one of those Logan's run thing because, you know, mm-hmm. just like when you're in labor and it's like, let's get to the, ba- get there quickly. Cause we Legit. don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. I had my daughter drove me today. You have to have your dri- a driver because you're going to be sedated and you can't drive afterwards. So you need to have a driver. My daughter got me to the hospital. We got checked in and um, even though I had drank all of this electrolyte and as well as the prescription solution, I was very dehydrated and they had a hard time finding a vein that would stay open for the IV. They got me a couple of times until they got a good one. So, um, that was kind of interesting. And so I got checked in at nine 30. Uh, the procedure was at 10 30. I had my IV going. They got a, another bag of electrolytes to keep me going and got into the procedure room. And they said, you're about to take a nap and we'll be done in about half an hour. And I'm telling you, I had the best nap of my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> it was, yep. They, I, I was counting down to 10 and I might've got to seven and I was out <laughs> like a light. Yep. So had a great nap and got back to my room, woke up and they got me a cup of coffee. And by the time I finished my coffee, I was fully awake. The sedation had worn off and I got the good news that they did not find any polyps. And that's what they're looking for in the colonoscopy is if there's any polyps anywhere in my colon or rectum. And that's where, um, that's where they would take any out. If they had found any, they would take out the polyps and they would do a biopsy to see what they were. Yeah. 
And that's that's where the detection goes. So on a, a standard one, which you fortunately you you had, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't find anything notable. Like, right. Okay, all clean, all go. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a function of you getting yourself back in order, um, and then getting yeah. yourself home and and mm-hmm. all that. So I think one of the things you you talked about in your notes was you know wear comfortable clothes. Yes, um, <laughs> yes. Throughout the whole thing, you know, just yep. just sweat clothes if it's if it's too hot, then just wear something loose and easy to wear a muumuu. I don't care, mm-hmm. but just comfortable clothes, something that makes your life easier, True. uh, rest when you can rest. But, but then if they were to have found something, mm-hmm. you know, n- now you're into this new stage. Yes. Um, so they've gone in there, they pulled the polyps and they're going to do some biopsies. They'll be able to give you some information. Um, mm-hmm. and this is when you start triaging with your doctor, you form a, a medical team, if you will, mm-hmm. and, and you've got to take a leadership role even though they're the expert, you have to take a leadership role in how you're going to address this from the perspective of your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it, and it also, just like with every, every cancer out there, uh, it, what would happen to you will just depend on what they find. So a couple of polyps here and there, they could take them out and that could be the end of it. Or if it was a tumor, like my uncle had had, that might require a different type of attention. There could be surgical um, procedures involved if they decide they want to take out pieces of your colon, totally possible. Um, and then there's a cocktail of radiation and chemotherapy that could be given. And it all just depends on the exact type of cancer you have and the extent at which they find it. Yeah. One of the things about cancer, though, that I want to kind of put out there is that there are the different types. Some mm-hmm. move very, very quickly. They metastasize really, really quickly. And you don't have a lot of time, but you have time. Uh, mm-hmm. Others metastasize much slower or won't metastasize at all. Uh, mm-hmm. So knowing a, a, a lot more about the type of cancer you have and what's going on gives you kind of a timeline for the decisions that you need to make. And one doctor's decision or opinion won't necessarily be another doctor's opinion. And you might love your doctor to death, Mm -hmm. uh, but this is a point for you to realize you're the CEO. Mm -hmm. Someone has brought you some information, but before you go in and start doing anything drastic, you might want to get another doctor's opinion in there. And Absolutely. by doing, and, you know, we've talked about this over and over again. Some doctors are going to be a little bit more surgery prone. Some are just going to say, why don't we do a little bit of this chemo drug and see if it gets smaller? Some of them may, um, I don't know, they may recommend some, just some dietary changes and things like that, because it's just not at that point where they feel like you need to have to do something right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've removed the polyps. And mm-hmm. so at that point they're gone and the yeah, other was a problem, but it's obviously not anywhere else. So let's wait a year and do another one mm-hmm. and, and see what we've got happening here to make that decision. Um, cancer is one of those things where it can flare up, but it's just a, um, your body hasn't had a chance to kill it yet. And so, you know, there's just different things out there. You know, I've had doctors, we've talked about prostate cancer. We've talked about other cancers and, and the reality of it, reality of it is the doctors over the years have learned a lot, but each doctor has their own little bias for whether they want to do a surgery, where they want to do another treatment, what they've seen work, but you have an opportunity, whether mm-hmm. it's something you, that you need to do quickly, or if it's something you have some time to do, you have time either way. Right. It's not an knee jerk. Just let's go do what this doctor says. Do a little bit of reading, talk to us, get a second opinion, maybe even a third opinion, 
mm-hmm. and, and just figure out what the most appropriate decision is for you. Some of these surgeries are not something that you're just going to get the surgery and you're good. There's mm-hmm. surgery, there's chemo, there's all kinds of stuff, radiation. And, and you talked about your uncle mm-hmm. that went on for years. That went on for yeah. over a decade of different treatment protocols to try to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just recognizing that this can be a long journey or it could be a short one. And, you know, in, in some of the folks that I've talked about, particularly prostate cancer, those decisions that you're making have other adverse effects to your body. So mm-hmm. a surgery in your colon, while it's not where you're getting your nutrients, nutrients from, it's a part of the channel and chain that's making that all happen. And things and changes you do in one part of it can adversely affect the way your whole digestive tract works. And that's your second brain. So mm-hmm. this is, I'm not going to say this is as complicated as brain surgery, but the ramifications of some problems there can be detrimental. Right. Yeah, definitely get second and third opinions for sure. You know, when you, when your car breaks down, you can take it to a mechanic, but if you have a a hot rod or a Lamborghini, you go to a Lamborghini dealership to get it fixed. So similarly, you want to choose your oncologist. You don't just don't go to any guy who's the local oncologist at the hospital. You find the person that specializes in colorectal cancer or or whatever other kinds of cancers that you're going to be dealing with. You go to the special and you get that second opinion and you find out what is the best treatment for you based on your existing medical conditions and the exact type of cancer that you have. But the good news is um, that the death rate for colorectal, colorectal cancer has dropped because of screening like the colonoscopy and with stool tests. And you could definitely have a good chance of survival. Your survival rates increase with early detection. So when it's your age, like it is for mine at 50 or for any of those 45-year-olds out there, don't be afraid of being uncomfortable by taking a stool test or being uncomfortable for the couple of days of the liquid diet that I had to do a colorectal test, get that peace of mind by doing the screening that you should have at that age bracket and early detection hundred percent gives you the best survival rates. Yeah. And I'm, I know I would have done it. I don't know if you did it. Did you weigh yourself before you started the process and after the process? Yes, I did. And <laughs> I was, I was one tiny pound difference from yeah. day to day. Yeah. And, and then, and then, you, and then you start eating again and you're, and I gained you're that. Full of yep, it again. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Like I said at the beginning, 12 to 16 ounces of stool yeah. and it was legit. Right. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. So it was, it was not a difficult test. It was not painful, a little bit uncomfortable, but right now, um, I don't have to go back for another colonoscopy for 10 years unless something else goes sideways. So I'm very happy with the knowledge that my colon looks squeaky clean. <laughs> well, you hosed it off with a fire hose, so it I should sure be. did. <laughs> All right. Yep. Well, Rachel, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, we call it a week? Nope. Just go get screened, please. Good. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Take care. You too. Thanks. Next time on the Forty Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Delatoro McNeil and discuss his book. Shift into a higher gear, better your best, and live life to the fullest. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.